Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The son of rugby league royalty actually conceived in a dressing room. As the story goes, this guy, there's so much more to him than just one tackle. But who is Scott Sattler? You know what, Andy? I have listened to you ask everyone this question and it makes you think really deep about who is Scott Sattler. I think you've probably heard this a number of times as well, is that you probably have to ask a third eye who Scott Sattler is. You can ask my wife or you can ask my sister or my mum and dad, whoever it may be, they'll give you who Scott Sattler is. Um, from a third eye is probably the best way to, to um, an, an outsider to, to tell me who Scott Sattler is. I'll ask you, who's Scott Sattler? Honest, enjoyable, uh, hasn't changed, and, and loyal, and I think they're fabulous qualities. Oh, thank you for that, and they're things that I think my mum and dad have always um, tried to instil in me as, as a young kid. Yep. Um, grew up in pubs my whole life. Living in the pubs gave me a really good um, vision on life. Yeah. Always use the phrase that I've always been comfortable ever from a very young age in my, my teenage years, Andy, that um, I could talk to the bricklayer and the barrister. Yep. You know, I could work in the, I could go down and talk to the guys in the public bar when I was 12 or 13 and I could wander up into the lounge bar and talk to the barristers and solicitors yeah. and I felt really comfortable doing that. And that was my mum and dad always told me to have a firm handshake Yep. Look people in the eye, and um, and whenever, whenever a friend or colleague is in need, just ensure you're there for them at any stage. So, I'd like to think that um, I'd like to think that I've I've shown a lot of those qualities throughout a majority of my life. Wonderful values. You're born with a famous surname. Good, bad, help or hindrance for your early life as a footballer. Yeah. Um, well, it. Went through stages, actually, all the ones that you just mentioned there. They went through different stages in my life. Uh, in my very early rugby, I didn't start playing rugby league until I was 11 or 12, yep. about 12 years of age on the Gold Coast. And um, very early on, it was, it was a real hindrance mm. um, because it wasn't the other, the other players, the other kids. They didn't care. They didn't know who John Sattler was. And it was the parents. The parents were the ones that yeah. were always expecting a lot more of a 12 or 13-year-old kid. and. And um, and then there were selectors in junior rep teams that expected more, and t- to me it was it was a it was a lot of pressure. It was yeah. a lot. I didn't realise my dad was something important until I was about ten or eleven. Okay. Yeah, he took me to the first state of origin match in nineteen eighty. Well, I was yeah, I was ten. Yeah. And I remember people kept stopping him and wanting to talk to him. And I remember going and I remember seeing all these jerseys and all these scrapbooks ever as a kid, and I'd read them religiously. But to me, they were just like another novel. Or another book, yeah. Um, but then I realised that hey, actually, people actually really gravitate towards this guy. Yeah. So 
Um, so yeah, it was it was a real hindrance early on. Up until I was about sort of uh, fifteen or sixteen, I remember my mum once. I uh, were playing a game against Beanley. I was packing a scrum. I was hooker. I remember looking across at the halfback, waiting for him to feed the ball, and looking past the halfback and seeing my mum get attacked by these these ladies of the local team, like this on the side on the sideline. Serious? Yeah. Well, the the parents were abusing me because I was because of my surname. Yep. And mum just said, "Hey, listen, can you just let the kids play?" And they just turned on her. And I thought. It's not only a, a hindrance and a pressure on me, it's a pressure on my bum. Yeah. And so I thought about it about 15 or 16, just giving it up because I just mm. thought, oh, it's, I'll go and find something else to do. And then I finished year 12 at a school in um, – I went to boarding school for three years and there was a huge expectation going to boarding schools. Even I was rugby union yeah. in Brisbane, Nudgy College. It was a huge, because of the last name, you just expected to be this is really good rugby union play, and I wasn't. I hated the game. I couldn't get used to it. Yeah. And I used to go home on Friday nights and play rugby league with my runaway Bay Seagulls club. And, um, and then um, I got to 17. I went year 12 to a school on the Gold Coast, Kukuma Bar State High School. Yeah. It was only a very early age, a very early school. And, and we went through, we won everything. We won the state titles. Um, you know, we were about third or fourth in the country as a school. And I was fortunate enough to make some representative sides. And from that moment on, I feel as though the, the expectation was always still there. Mm. But I was old enough to use it as a sort of driving factor. Okay, yeah. I, I then was aware of what sort of person my dad was off the field. Yep. Very kind and empathetic, a real gentleman. But on the field, um, he was a tearaway, you know, and I didn't ever want to be that way. But one thing I did take from him is, is that he always used to say to me, just train harder than anyone else. So I just knew that at that age, 17 or 18, when I got graded at the Gold Coast Seagulls, that if I trained harder than everyone else, well, at least I'll be in the mix there somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Two words always associated with John, tough and gentleman. Mm. Which means more to you? Uh, gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, gentleman, probably an easy one for me there because I've seen him growing up in the pubs their whole life, the way that he used to, as a, as a public, and the way that he treated his patrons. Yep. The way that he treated the, um, the wives and partners of, of his patrons that would come in and he would he, so chivalry in the way that he would – um, talk to the ladies. Yeah. Uh, he would buy flowers for all the ladies in the pub on a Friday night. Um, he would um, he would always know he always know what drink the patron was drinking before they walked up to the bar. Uh, anyone that came up to for an autograph or a fo- um, photo, yep. he never ever knocked them back. And um, he was just always had great manners um, when he was in public. And I've, throughout my whole career, I, I always tried to. I always tried to resemble as much as I could with him off the field. Yep. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, and I'm, I'm proud enough to say that I, I don't think you'd find a fan to say that I've ever um, ignored them. I think you've followed in your father's footsteps yeah, in that respect. So, I've, I've never seen you be rude to anyone. I, in fact, I've never seen you be anything but absolutely welcoming with a, mm. you know, a smile on your face, irrespective of what's going on in your life. Yeah, I just, you know, even Andy, when you and I work at Fox and you know, I've worked at Nine for a number of years, how important the, the cameramen are and the yeah you know, the guys who, who run those lines up and down the sides of you know, they're really important to a team yep. and so I've never you know, so yeah taking the gentleman side of it that's what makes me so proud because he set a really good example and everyone who plays the game's tough anyway yep anyone in life even who does it doesn't even play in rugby league they've all got these these things you've got to face where you've got to be tough so tough is second to I think him being the, the gentleman that he was I remember Bobby McCarthy used to always say 
your dad used to it just bloody amaze me he would. I said, why? He said, you know, before the game he'd be really good. He'd talk to us as a team and what we've got to do. And then he'd put his mouth guard in and we'd cross the white line. He said he'd flick a switch in the back of his neck and turn him into an absolute maniac. He said then after the game we'd finish the game and we'd walk across to the South Sydney Leagues Club. And he said, here's a guy that's he's just kicked and maimed and punched and put three people off the field. Yeah. But here he is helping an old lady across Chalmers Street to the South Sydney Leagues Club. I love it. So, yeah. What's really cool about your upbringing and your family dynamic, through p- press clippings and old videos, you actually have a chronology of your dad's life. Not many families can look back and say, here's dad's life in press clippings yep. or, or video. Yeah, you're uh, right. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, I, they're actually one of my most cherished. Uh, belongings is uh, my father's scrapbooks that my mum mm. was just so diligent in putting them together. You're able to read back on a lot of those, and there's a really there's a great photo that I, I it's my favourite photo of uh, of all time. Actually, is uh, it's my dad Eric Sims and Bobby McCarthy running down uh, Everly Street in Redfern because Redfern Oval was flooded, so they had to um, run down to one of the lo- local junior clubs. Wow! And someone took this black and white photo, and Dad's in running shoes. Uh, Bobby McCarthy's in footy boots and Dad's and uh, Eric Sims is in bare feet. Running down Charmers. Running down Char- uh, down to, um, I think it was Mascot. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, you're right. To be able to, to, be able to follow a, a chronology of events is, is pretty, pretty special because in this day and age moving forward, it's, it won't happen that much no. with exactly the, current, right. the current age. You've seen your career began in the early 90s. It- what ended up being your local club, being a Gold Coast boy, the Mighty Seagulls. What do you recall of the early years? I remember as a, as a kid, I, I followed South Sydney. I never wanted to play for South Sydney. Wow. Uh, yeah, because that was Dad's club. Yep. And I just know that if I went there and even later on in my career when I had a couple of opportunities to go there, I deliberately didn't go there. But growing up, I was a South fan, but also I was a Gold Coast Giants fan. They came in the comp in 1988. Yeah. And I was a Gold Coast kid. I was, going to, I was about to go into year 12 or year 11, and I just wanted to play for the Gold Coast Giants. Yep. That's all I wanted. They got beaten every week. But see, old Seagull Stadium was a great old stadium. And, it was, wasn't it? Oh, it was wonderful. You talked to a lot of the old footy players. They still loved it. Yeah. It was a big leagues club next to it. Anyway, so uh, at the end of 19, in the end of 1990, actually, I was playing under-18s on, under on the Gold Coast. We had a really good team. Went through undefeated at Runaway Bay and got invited to go down and um, have a discussion with, with the Gold Coast Seagulls. Yep. So I signed a, a two-year contract to play under-21s, 1991 and 1992. And, yeah, honestly, it was just the, the proudest day of my life. I yep. just thought, you know, I'm going to actually wear a Gold Coast. Other than the Gold Coast Seagulls then after yes. that, I said, oh, I'm going to get wear a Gold Coast Seagulls jersey. How great's that? Yeah. To everyone else in the competition, it would be a bit of a laughing stock because they got beaten <laughs> so often. So... Um, to play 21s in 91, 92 was, was great. In 92, we had a, had a really good under-21 side. There was, out of that side, there was myself and Adrian Vowles and Jamie Goddard and Kevin Campion, who went on to play you know, a lot of first-grade footy and, and Origin as and well. Origin, so yeah. a really good group of juniors. Unfortunately, they let them go. It was stacked. You actually read my mind for the next question, but through 92, 93, when you look back at those photos, you hadn't established yourselves as individuals. Mm. By God, over the next couple of years, there's some serious football talent. There. Oh, amazing. Um, there was uh, Craig Weston, who at that stage, early on in his career, they were saying he's going to be the next Wally yeah. Lewis. Um, a lot of really good young players that went on to play a lot of, um, a lot of rugby league. Uh, 
my memories of those early years, the one that stands out for me is in 1992, myself and Jamie, back then in the under-21s, and then you'd, you'd sit there after the game and the reserve grade coach would come around and go, do you want to sit on the bench for reserve yeah. grade? Love to. So Jamie got out and I sat on the bench for reserve grade, and then we got a few minutes in reserve grade, and then they said, do you want to sit on the bench for first grade? Yeah, no worries, we won't get on. We're playing Parramatta at Seagull Stadium. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. I remember sitting on the bench and there was about nine minutes to go and we'd won the game and, yep. and Wally Lewis was the captain coach. Yeah. We're walking back and the trainer goes up to him and says, do you want to make any changes? And Jamie got and I was sitting there, fresh-faced kids, and I can still recall reading the lips of what he was saying. He looked over and he said, put the two young blokes on. Wow. So they come up and said, you know, Sats got to get up, get, get warmed up. So we got up and ran on. I remember running on and thinking, I don't care what I do in this game. I want to tackle or be tackled by Brett Kenny. <laughs> and so the first <laughs> that thing was I did, the goal. Yeah, after the scrum, we went on there. Scrum got packed. We won the scrum. And I wrapped around the play the ball. I got the ball. I looked for Brett Kenny. I just ran straight at him. I thought, "There's a bucket list hit." I ticked. <laughs> How good is that? In '94, you left the coast. You headed south. Why was it? Opportunity was it money was it off field progression a combination? Yeah, I went to the Roosters. Yeah. Hated it. Hated it. Hated Sydney. Um, and when I talk about the Gold Coast, let go of all these young players. They they went and signed a lot of the more experienced players. Now there's a really good group of young players that they that they needed to hold that on didn't to. Work. Uh, I think the Gold Coast would be in a really different situation if they made that decision Great. back in the early nineties. And so they basically held off on a lot of us, as myself, Craig Weston. Um, the Cowboys were starting up and the Crushers were starting up yes. in 95. So um, I signed with the Roosters for three years. I wasn't quite sure about it, but mm. I did it anyway. I thought, listen, I've just got to make the jump. So, and I was trying to make it, I suppose I was trying to make a statement as well that the Gold Coast need to hang on to their young, young talent. Yeah. And didn't like it at all. You know, you, people, if you ask that question, is there anything you ever regretted? That's the one decision I regretted. Because it was only one game. Yeah, year, I broke my it? jaw. I was out for 12 weeks after I broke my yeah. jaw. And, um, but I just didn't, I didn't really fit into Sydney. I, I, was old, I was old enough to move to Sydney, but I wasn't mature enough emotionally yep. for Sydney. Um, worked in Kerry Packers Gym, Castle Ray Street, yeah. the Hyde Park Club, which I absolutely loved, and got to meet a lot of famous people, which is great. Um, and, but I, just, I, I, never, I never liked Sydney itself. I really struggled. And when I had my broken jaw, I was just lonely. And uh, then the Crushers got in the competition. Yeah. And they said, did you want to come home? I couldn't get back quick enough. I asked for a release from the Roosters. Um, have a really good relationship with Mark Murray now, who was the coach. Yes. Back then I, when I played there, I didn't feel as though that we connected. Um, that was probably more my fault than his. Okay. Um, and I always prided myself on really hard, hard training, hard mm. work. That year I – I let myself go. I didn't train as hard as what I usually did. I don't know whether it was a culmination of going to Sydney and, and I know, thinking that I'd already made it because I'd got to Sydney, whatever yeah. it may be, but I just I dropped the ball for, 
for 12 months outside of breaking my jaw. I just, yeah, I wasn't myself. And so I couldn't wait to get back to, to, to Queensland. Four new teams in 95, the Warriors, the Cowboys, the Reds and the Crushers. As we know, that's where you ended up. They came to you asking, was it a natural fit? Was it something that excited you, yeah, a, a did. new club? Yeah, it did, because there's going to be there's a lot of young players going, and there's a lot of older players. There's Mario Fennick and Trevor Gilmeister yeah. and Mark Hone. And, and so I was looking forward, and being a South Sydney fan growing up, I loved Mario. I just wanted to be able to play with Mario. Yep. Um, year one was a great year at the Crushers. Um, Bobby Lidner, the coach, never coached before. Yep. And you could tell, like, he was inexperienced, and he'd be the first to admit it, but a lovely guy. Uh, we struggled. But it was a really good year the first year. It was exciting. A second team in Brisbane. I bet. People who followed the Broncos still went to Crushers games and vice versa. Um, I think we'll see it next, maybe the next 12 months. I reckon we might see another team that will be announced in Brisbane. Can you believe it's 25 years since then and we're still talking about a second Brisbane side? For mine, fucking ridiculous. Oh, mate, it's a It's, it's a, a no-brainer, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. So, um, so it was really exciting, really, really exciting. But they spent all the money in year one. Off the field, and couldn't sustain for year two, year three. So, um, really loved it. I love the, I love the, I, I love the club. I loved that time at the club because it was young, it was fresh, it was new, it was a shiny new toy. Yeah. Um, but again, couldn't really, couldn't really set my feet into okay. playing week in, week out rugby league. I, I still trained really hard, and I got back to that really good training ethic. But I, I felt as though, I don't know I wasn't getting rewarded for it. Yep. Um, and it was, that was before Super League, and you, everyone sort of had to have a job as well. Yeah. I was working for corrective services, working in, in prison, and I loved it. And so I was sort of double. What were you doing? I was like one of the unit officers. Like, okay. Yeah, so what they call screw. Yeah. I started out doing sort of recreation stuff, and then I ended up working in the, in the, um, up in the wards, you know, and, and I loved it. And I was sort of doing double shifts there and going to training. And, yep. Um, but outside of that, I, just, I still couldn't, I couldn't bed myself down into a week-in, week-out. First grade, I didn't know why. I got to that stage, and we all get it. You get to a stage of your career when you're sort of around 23, 24, and you, you just hit a hurdle. Yeah. And I, it hit a hurdle, and I find it really difficult to, to get over the top of it. Wow. In 1996, we got told before a game even got kicked off that we weren't going to get paid, that they'd spent all the money. Super League had just sort of started to emerge. Yep. The Crushers was always going to be a, a, an ARL team. Yeah. and Basically, we got told. So we turned up every day to train. We played every weekend thinking knowing, we're knowing going to get – there's nothing in the bank yeah. account. So, um, yeah, a lot of guys really struggled. And, and at the end of that year, we finally got – I think we ended up getting about 18 cents in the dollar or 20 cents in the dollar or something. And then we – everyone sort of went on their merry way. And, and for me, I made the conscious decision, AJ, to – I remember sitting down with my dad and I said, I don't know where I'm at. I'm at a crossroad. I don't know what to do. You know, I was happy with the footy I was playing. I was training really hard, but I just – don't seem to be getting rewarded for it. So what do I do? He said, and I remember Dad saying to me, you need to go back to what works for you before. Yep. And that's when I, I picked up the phone and rang Phil Economides at the Gold Coast Chargers. Is that because that environment worked for you. Going back to the Gold Coast where I started at the Gold Coast and starting again. Um, it was a crossroads, mate. It was, it was. five seasons, three clubs. 15 games. Yeah. Mm. You'd have been starting to think, is this going to pay the bills or not? Exactly. I, I was. I was thinking about do I, you know, do I maybe, do I maybe just go and play in 
the country somewhere yep. and just get, go and get a really good job. And cause I always want to be a police officer. And so I always thought at some stage when I retire, whatever it may be, I joined, tried to join the police force when I was 18 and then I got my first contract at the Gold Coast. So I always thought at some stage I've got to join, join the police. So um, maybe now's the right time. So when the Gold Coast Chargers said, no, no, we'd love you to come here, and I signed two years, and, and I thought, no, let's, let's give it another go, and I'll make a decision after that. I was back amongst, I was back amongst, some of the, back amongst some of the usual suspects. Yep. Like Jamie Goddard and those guys, I just, I just knew that I could play footy around. And, and fortunately enough for me, the next two years were, I got kick-started again. We, you know, we had a really good year in 97 when we made the oh, finals. Yeah. and. And for me individually, I really got to kickstart my career again. You pretty much played every game, I yeah, think, across '97, '98. It's a wonderful tale of a person being within their comfort zone and how much it means. Also, the mental side of professional sport, because from '92, '93, '94, '95, '96 to '97, you could play footy. Your talents didn't jump and rise and improve that mm. much. But you were happy. It's exactly right. It's probably the, probably the right word to, to pinpoint, mm. AJ. I was really happy in the environment. The coach, Phil Economides, was a terrific guy, just a coach that you just wanted to play for. And he made training um, really competitive. He made everyone happy. Jamie Goddard is just an amazing teammate to have. Everyone says that. Oh, just tough. And yep. Just willing to go uh, above and beyond for his teammates. Pushed himself to a limit that he pushed everyone else around him. and. Um, and just and was one of the funniest guys to have in a team yeah. as well. So for me, it was just it was natural surroundings. So naturally, I just ended up playing really good footy. And um, yeah, '97 went really well. '98 we didn't have a great year, but for me individually, I'd I'd had some really good games against some key clubs, and they were televised on Channel Nine, whatever it may be, the main time slot. And, and some of the clubs after as we went through '98, I got a whisper from a really good friend of mine, Tony Durkin, who worked many years yeah. for Rugby League Week. Really good guy. We were good friends with the family. In 98, he said to me, hey, listen, in 99, there'll be no Gold Coast Charges. I went, what? He goes, no, there'll be no. I said, no, no. He said, no, I'm serious. Get out. If you can get a contract, get out. I said, no, I, I don't believe you. And I was telling some of the guys at training, they go, no, no. So they all started signing deals with the Gold Coast Charges moving forward. And fortunately enough for me, I had a really good game against... Um, Penrith Panthers one afternoon, yeah. Saturday afternoon, and Roy Simmons rang the next morning and flew me down the following weekend after we, we played the Warriors the following week and beat them, and I flew down on the Sunday. And with with the words of Tony Durkin ringing in my ears, I thought, this might be too good to be true. I, it was South Sydney, Penrith, and Manly. I said to Dad, because I played jersey number 13, I'm not going to go to South. That's yeah. your jersey. He said, so it's out of who? I said, Manly and Penrith. He goes, well, if you play for Manly, I'll never, ever watch you play another game of rugby league. So it made the deal <laughs> pretty easy solid. for me. That's <laughs> I love that. We hope you're enjoying the Scott Sattler story in part two, the premiership and that tackle and how and when he fell out of love with the game. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.